Hello, and welcome to Think Fit Be Fit podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I am the hostess and creator of this podcast where we believe that effective exercise comes from effective thinking about exercise and how we view our body. This includes muscle mechanics, uh, expertise in physiology, critical thinking tools to evaluate our exercise and how we treat our body. This podcast features exercise intellectuals that have been thinking outside of the box and in practice for a while. So today's guest is someone I'm so excited to introduce you to. She is a colleague, a role model, a person who definitely thinks outside the box. And in fact, she doesn't belong in anyone else's box. She is very unique and fun to be around and has this amazing exercise product called the Kiro. And before I introduce her and this episode, I want to encourage you to go check out this product and get a good look at what we're talking about at kiroconcepts.com, K-I-R-O-C-O-N-C-E-P-T-S.com. We have a discount code for you. For 15% off, use the code TFBF15. That would be ThinkFitBeFit15. Okay, friends, let's get started. Thank you again for being here. And without further ado, today's guest is Kika Mella. She is the co-owner of Mila Therapeutics. Incorporated and is the creator of the Kiro Core Trainer. She is a master level MAT specialist and MATRX specialist and has been a licensed massage therapist for 25 years. She has worked extensively with professional and elite athletes and is a contributor to the training process at Bomarito Performance Systems as a part of their medical team. And that's one of the things I was referring to as her being like out of the box and this unicorn and role model of mine because there's no one else in the game doing what she does and females and their leadership in sports means so much to me. So that's why I'm just like throwing out the red carpet for her right now. (laughs) And before we outline this specific episode, I want to say over the past month, we have gone into some critical thinking about the core. I myself have learned so much and I really hope that you were a part of that with me. If not, check out all the episodes in May. They are dedicated just to this huge subject. So, In the past month, we talked about muscles that never get mentioned in rehab, about lower back issues, pelvic floor issues, and we called that the core of the core. That was on May 6th. 
On May 4th, I brought in a Pilates expert who is also my teacher, just to show you that Pilates has very little to do with abdominal exercise and it is a full body approach. Really fun, short episode. We also talked about strengthening the muscles from an intrinsic point of view with Chris Verdi on May 15th. That's with the Core Restore training system. We also talked about learning motions versus just doing them without much thought. And that has a lot to do with today's episode and the May 15th episode. And then one of the episodes I'm so, two of the episodes I'm so proud of on May 13th and 20th with Dr. Paul Juris. This was an academic perspective on how to embrace the learning process instead of just believing that the core is everything. So today we are talking about this exceptional tool for training, quote unquote, the core at a 360 degrees approach, the Kiro. And again, that's at kiroconcepts.com. So Kika and I discuss a number of things related to athletic performance, muscles and movement, how her invention of the Kiro helps address the flaws in training this part of the body. So this includes a universal definition of the core that doesn't seem to exist, and it's more of a discussion. So it's a, a an ongoing conversation that I don't think we should stop as trainers or as people who want to be fit from the inside out. This discussion has to continue. So we also talk about how this part of the body, the core, is related to performance. And we concentrate a good amount of time on athletic performance because that's where Kika's zone of genius is. She spent so many years working with the uh, most elite athletes in the world, not just like in South Florida where her practice is. We are talking about NFL players, um, veterans, and, you know, it's not advertised all over her Instagram because I think she's pretty classy like that, but you'll just have to trust. (laughs) And we also talk about something a little bit more complicated, which is pelvic motions and hamstrings and what their relationship is to the core. We mentioned a little bit about the bench press too. One of my favorite parts of this conversation is the discussion on individualized training and customizing training with this, with this wonderful tool. And I encourage you to go check out her blog on kiroconcepts.com. She has a ton of great resources. I've really enjoyed those blogs and I hope you do too. Before we get started, I would love to have your support with the podcast with a subscription on iTunes or Spotify and maybe even a review so other people can discover what a deeper connection is to exercise and what it means to think critically about how we work our body. You can also support the podcast by checking out Ruvi. That is R-U-V-I. It is a high-performance drink of just fruits and vegetables. 
go to impactyourfitness.thrivelife.com slash Ruvi. That's R-U-V-I. And you'll find that they have four different blends of fruits, vegetables that are just freeze-dried powders. It's whole fruits, vegetables, including all the healthy fiber and nothing else. This is peak nutrition, no added sugar, no preservatives, no fillers, all the fiber, don't need a fridge, don't need a blender. It's just a powder drink, Uh, four different blends. My favorite is the immune and skin blend. With your first order, you will get a shaker bottle. And it's, I have to say, very tasty. And I'm grateful that I can, you know, work with this brand and get all my fiber. (laughs) Without further ado, here is Kika Mila of Mila Therapeutics and the Kiro Trainer. I hope you enjoy this episode. You can catch me on Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness. Uh, the Kiro is also on Instagram at Kiro Core, K I R O C O R E. And there's all kinds of really cool videos on how this works. You even might see yours truly on there because I use one of these as well, which you'll find out very soon. Enjoy. Welcome to Think Fit Be Fit podcast. I have a super special colleague with me today, and she doesn't know this, but you are a role model of mine. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You, you're an OG. Oh, why? Thank you. Yes. Well, you. I, I think we'll just call you OG instead of role model. I will take that. Let me tell you. <laughs> thank you. That's a huge compliment. Please introduce yourself, and um, I guess a little bit about how we met. Okay. My name is Kika Mela. I am co-owner of Mela Therapeutics a muscle activation and massage therapy company in Florida, and also the owner or co-owner of Kiro Concepts and the creator or inventor of the Kiro Core Trainer. And we kind of met through our MAT connections, uh, muscle activation connections, and I can't remember exactly how, to be honest with you, um, unless I don't think we met at a seminar or something, but I know when we first met in person, you had wanted to come down to help us out. We always take any type of um, MAT personnel that want to get a little bit more experience or just experience in a, as a whole working with NFL draft prep athletes that are preparing for the NFL draft. So a couple of years ago, you kind of wanted to see what it was all about. You were, I think, down on vacation. And you said, let me come by and check it out. So you helped us for a couple of days. Uh, Put it, we put you to work. You said you a couple of days. How many hours do you want to work? I can get you booked that many hours. And you came down, volunteered your time because mm-hmm. uh, we're on a very limited budget. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And you got to help us out dealing with these young men trying to change their lives and get into the pros of the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great, great experience. And uh, I mean, I would, you know, if, if budget allows, I'll come down every year and do it to sharpen my toolbox. You know, I just think even though I've been doing the practice uh, of muscle activation techniques for 10 years, I still get, I get so much out of 
being in a new environment on, and it's challenging. It's just so fun and in the I'm, challenge, the fun, challenging way. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you do. Cause I always worry cause you never know people's experience. And, and for me and my husband, we, it's, so challenging because we only have 30 minutes to make a lot of changes. We don't get a lot of time. We have to coordinate with the entire medical team and we could have 40 players that we have to hands on. And as well as our other private practice, our, our rest of our clients could even have, but that's just maybe at one uh, facility. And it's just such a dynamic, interesting thing. And it makes you think quick because you got to get, got to get stuff done fast. You got to make decisions fast. And they are hyper aware of their body. So they know exactly when something changes or if it doesn't change. And even though athletes are easy because they respond really well, they're hard in a sense that they know they can tell a a couple of degree change in their body Mm -hmm. and they know, or they know if it's BS, like nothing changed, nothing felt better. I trust them more with body awareness than a lot of uh, regular people who disconnect. Yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting phrase to, so for us to jump off into, um, what the Kiro is and what, how you can teach and redefine what core exercise is with this device. You know, I think us as MAT people, we can be very abstract on what it is, what strength is and what. Uh, improvements we're trying to make with our clients sometimes, but this seems to bring these two worlds together, these two perspectives really nicely of what is effective core training and what do we really need on the field or in the gym or, you know, picking up our kids. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Cause that's exactly why, I developed it because I needed a tool to transition from my table to the weight room, to the turf, and especially at speeds, either high speeds, low speeds, whatever they needed. And I kept, as I was learning more, this is several years ago, back in either 2012 or 13, I think it was, I was learning more about biomechanics, learning more about uh, forces and angles and and exercise and implementing it with my MAT practice and isometrics and things like that. And I started to realize a lot of these players, they had the most ripped abs in the world. They can hold a plank for thousands of hours, whatever. But yet they, I kept having to go back and treat the core because I saw dysfunction there, or I saw an muscular imbalance kind of issues that would lead to maybe hamstring problems or a groin problem or even low back or shoulder. And I kept wondering why. And mm. when I started to, to understand exercise better and I was able to reinforce my sessions with some isometrics and some exercise to be real specific in a need, it was really helpful. And they started to notice changes out on the field or in, in the weight room. And so Bomberitos gratefully started to implement some of these because I felt they needed to be a standard of foundational stuff, not just on my table, because I shouldn't be treating them all the time on my table. They should be, this should be a foundation, like level one, walk in the door, you hear some core foundational exercises to do activation, however you want to term it. And so they started noticing a change. And then I realized these are great, but it takes, you know, 
the the way we're implementing is the band or with a hand or something. You can't just turn, you can't, um, the, the band might slide off, the band might hurt. You can't do this at high speeds. We need it to be in motion. And so I create, I said, I have to create a way to attach the resistance in 360 degrees around the body, different levels of intensity with moment arm application, force angle application. I wanted to have anything I wanted to do to have this device do that. And it might not be perfect, but I think it's been helpful and succeeded and it's been greatly beneficial to um, the clients that we've been using and a lot of the coaches that have been using it. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait to get into that. I wanted to bring in a conversation you and I had, uh, I guess like a year ago. I don't know if time flies. Um, but <laughs> was we, yeah, I was up there uh, with the player. I think I had to, so it was season. Pre-season. Yeah. So it was definitely during a season. It was nice enough where the windows of the restaurant were open and that's about all I got. Yep. <laughs> Um, but you were, um, in the middle of some really cool focus group work yes, and interviewing. And you said, I've interviewed about a hundred people and I did not get one similar, very, or straight. And what is it like the same description of the core from these folks? Correct. Every, yeah. I, I had a couple of, I think it depends on who they studied under. There was some similarities. But it ran the gamut uh, of the hundred people, depending on their education and their wherever they were in their career. Uh, there was no real concise definition of the core mm. at all. So it can range from just the abs. It can range from the abs to the back, um, uh, shoulders to hips, knees to neck. Uh, I that that was the range that I would hear. Mm. Well. It was interesting. What about the foot? Uh, Well, no, no. (laughs) Um, If I'd have gone to the general pop, maybe. But it was mostly um, exercise or rehab professionals that I interviewed. Cool. Anywhere from uh, high-level trainers that have been in the NFL or Major League Baseball for 20 or 30 years to brand-new interns and a training facility. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the gamut of people that I did interview. That's cool. What did you gather from that for developing the platform that the Cairo's on? Um, it was more of a way to kind of understand my my people, the people that are going to be using the the Kiro. So, what do they need, and how do they think, and how do they define things? So that way, I could better understand what they need, and do I supply a solution for them. Mm-hmm. So that was the that was the thing I was trying to really convey. So I kind of learned that dynamic uh core stability is a little different for everybody as well as not just the definition of the core, but also dynamic stability, exercises re- regarding that. Um does anybody even really do dynamic core training in an active motion and it and it was very s- scarce. Mm-hmm. Most of it was in a session of stability where you might throw a med ball, that would be considered dynamic stability uh, or training. Uh, You might uh, progress it that way, or maybe do a couple of motions, but in a very small section of motion, it wasn't anything during running uh, 
I think I had one or two people that might have done one or two small things, but but I was really surprised that there wasn't a tool to help them as well. Uh, also, I found it very interesting that there was no way to measure core stability, core strength. There was no real good ways to do that. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, if they hold this, they're fine, but there's so many factors that can be involved, but you know, how much core strength do you need? What's the, what's the, the framework of uh, reference. It wasn't there really well. A couple of things here and there. McGill has some things that you can do. You hold this for 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes, but that doesn't translate into sprinting or, mm-hmm. or moving or, or change of direction. It was in that position. That's what they're good at. And it's an indicator that they might need some core work. Mm. Uh, so that, That's what I found is it's mostly indications and probabilities and possibilities as to definitive definitive stuff yeah I think if we can guide fitness professionals sports rehab professionals towards just being well grounded and understanding what it is that their client needs and try and and has to accomplish then really, you can really use such a dynamic tool like the Cairo, like, cause it is truly dynamic. Like you can do so much stuff with it from, um, so I use it in my practice actually as an assessment tool, um, for, I call it a, um, what do I call it? My clients, I call, I call it a back extension test. Okay. So I, I, I strap them up and we attach it so that they're getting, you know, the resistance is into, um, they have to resist extension. Okay. And do you, do you single-sided for a rotational component or straight sagittal? It depends where they are, you know, cause some people do some people I, I can do that with, and it's very useful, especially if we're talking about a rotational athlete. Um, but I might use it, uh, a very, um, just bilateral when we first start together just to get a picture. And it also helps me get a, a 360 degree picture of their body moving without having um, a lot of uh, footage of them moving or seeing them in action in the weight room or on the field. It, it gives me a little bit more about what will happen if force is on their body. Ah, interesting. Okay. And then yep. it's not on the table, right? Right. And so we have to see what's going on when gravity is involved. And right. so... Yeah. So that's the one. Anyways, where was I going with that? So that's one way. Um, oh, it's a dynamic. It's, it's a, such a dynamic tool. And um, so if we can get our a like-minded professional to see that, okay, what is the best way to get your client from A to B and achieving something and um, you know, can we get them well-grounded enough in thinking that each assessment, each exercise can be customized with this, uh, with, with the harness. 
Right. And I think it, I think it's really useful in that way. So, um, what they use, uh, our PTs use it a lot. Um, the, the people that we work with at, at Bomberitos, um, they use it as a dynamic tool, either a cueing tool to, to correct posture, um, when they're doing a particular exercise, uh, cause if they fail to, cor- to self-correct then they'll fail, they won't be able to do the exercise. Uh, they'll go off balance, but also things like a dynamic, like course, uh, stability, the, the inline test, the kneeling inline test mm-hmm. uh, for the trunk uh, to test core stability. They'll use that as a way to uh, push them off balance with the resistance at the, at the trunk, uh, which will add to it and also help them to achieve it better, you know, over time to get stronger and more stable in it. But the inline test, the kneeling inline test, uh, they use it for a, a lot of that um, to, to kind of, that's one of their ways that they use it in assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see right now in the constrained times that we're in, like th- this should be a tool that every, you know, elite athlete should have because they can co- completely customize the speed training. Yes. With this. I mean, and, you know, back to the basics, what does this part of the body, the middle of our body have to do with performance in, in general? Like how? (laughs) Right. Oh, the transfer of forces, the anchoring of everything that has to pull off of it. Uh, I I know that they use it a lot in the speed trainings. They, they use it as a, um, they might do like, single uh, side sled marches where they have a rotational component to kind of build a little bit of strength and endurance uh, as they're going through a motion, then they might transfer into a sprint mechanic, a sprinting action, say using the um, Vertimax Raptor where they're going in a, you know, just a horizontal, just straight ahead, but they find that it makes them engage the core and help them to, uh, it helps them prepare for the sprinting but it also helps them during the sprinting to keep their mechanics uh, really well. And they've noticed a huge, huge change in that and, and able to transfer once you take it off as well, they're able to notice that it improves their sprint mechanics by engaging those, by stimulating them during the action. And, and then they can uh, continue with it when they run as well. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that type of, training like is it would they technically call it overspeed training or is this something that's totally off the radar that we haven't seen yet it's just not totally off the radar um overspeed training is when you're trying to pull them you're trying to open up the hips a little bit more it could be a an assisted sprint where you're with they can do that as well um or you put them on a huge incline to where their pelvis has to open up more um, we've actually used it. I, we see a lot of this problem with our young athletes when they come in because their body's not prepared for overspeed training and mm-hmm. they're for, they're forcing their hips open more. Otherwise they're going to fall on their face. So they have to open up to, to do that overspeed. And unfortunately the core is a huge component that has to be really strong and able to handle that endurance. And if they're not, then we see all kinds of problems on the tables. We see a lot of groin problems, a lot of hamstring problems the day after overspeed training. We've kind of used the Kiro as a way to prepare them for that. 
so they have a better chance of sustaining and, and handling the forces involved and the motions involved with that overspeed training or a correction afterwards. Like maybe they overdid it. They did too many reps. They did too, too far of a distance. Then we can re-engage the core with some of the isometrics specifically for what they might need. And all of a sudden things turn back on again because it had fatigued out or they're walking around. Everything's kind of tired and, and not optimal. Mm-hmm. And then we can re-engage those with the Kiro by real specific isometrics, and it kind of helps them going on from there. So it's just in a, in a sense of there's so many dynamic forces going on during a sprint, and it's hard to train that in a, you train certain things in the weight room for power and explosions and strength. But once it becomes dynamic, it's hard to uh, apply resistance or progress the training. And it gives them a tool to engage the core in a direction of force that they desire with the person. So they're able to engage it, uh, low levels, higher levels, uh, more or less resistant, so that when they do run or sprint, it can either help them in their, their upright posture or help them engage the core dynamically and build endurance dynamically so that they can handle that with more repetitions and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and when it comes down to it, I think it's no it's notable to say the six-pack abs aren't the goal. It is the making body. sure your brain and your neuromuscular system uses the least amount of resources to m- make it happen whatever your athletic goal might be. Correct. The six pack is a visual desire as an aesthetic desire, which could be a byproduct of core stability and training, but not the goal to have a strong, stable core for um, performance. Even if it's just lifting up your kid, they jump on your arm one-sided, that's a core component as well. Uh, So Getting, yeah, being efficient in your, in your action, use, being strong enough and efficient enough to use, expend less energy so that you can transfer that energy elsewhere is, is a huge thing. And if you think of the kinetic chain, however, you know, everyone comes from a different background, a kinetic chain, a fossil chain, a anchor chains, however you want to view it, um, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And as you generate force through the ground and up the chain, if you don't have a, a solid foundation or a solid anchor to one pull on so that when you do hit the ground, if that's weak, that's going to be a weak link. You're not going to be able to generate as much or even up the chain. If you're say an overhead athlete throwing or hitting or um, striking, whatever it is you're doing with the overhead boxing, any, any type of rotational athlete. Um, it generates from the ground up, but if you don't have a strong core, then it's hard to transfer those forces or even generate those forces. That's yeah, that's so important. I think it's worth kind of revisiting this stable core idea as to, um, what it means to like use the Cairo and what would be the goal if we're talking about a stable core. Because you mentioned it, and I, I don't want to skip over it because I think it's okay. it might be important. Okay, so stable core to me uh, means 
an anchor point that uh, it, it could be either a flexible anchor or a rock solid does not move anchor. Depends on you, what you need it to do. Obviously, once you become dynamic in motion, it has to move. But there's so many forces involved that um, so it, it's real important to kind of that the anti-rotation is the catchphrase, the buzzword that's been around for a long, long time which means preventing a motion from occurring, preventing rotation from occurring, whether it's trunk rotation, turning left or right. Rotation could also be leaning side to side. That's a, if you don't want to lean over when something like your kid jumps on your arm, if you don't want to lean over from the weight, that's anti-rotation as well. So it's, it's kind of creating that stability to where things can pull off. I, I I always give an example of if you were at the cliff edge, like I'm five foot two, a hundred and maybe 20 on a heavy day. And if I had a 200 pound rock go over the ledge and I have a rope and I'm trying to hold that rock, I'm not stable enough to handle that. I might not be strong enough myself to handle that. But if I prop my foot up on a very strong, stable rock, all of a sudden have a better anchor system so that my arms can pull the rock back up the cliff. If that rock that my foot is stabilized on becomes a marshmallow, I'm going off the cliff with the rock. So I see the core as helping me push into it so that my arms and my body can pull that rock towards me instead of me going towards the rock. And so it's unmoving. If we were in motion, then it would still have to be strong. I would still have to have that, that anchor point. But it, now it has to not only be, it has to move a little bit. And as it moves, it still has to be as strong and stable in a dynamic fashion as opposed to just being on the ground. That makes perfect sense. It's on the ground. It's not going to move. But now we're in motion and it has to still be as strong in motion with forces changing all up and down the chain and all up and down the system. I just hate that we, if we throw around words, meaning we in a, a bigger professional sense that, you know, a one type of trainer means stable in this way. And another type of therapist means stable. And they're talking about something that doesn't seem very different, but if we're talking about skill development, if we're talking about exercise performance, learning to sprint, these types of things, yeah. um, those two definitions can actually, like if an athlete has two different definitions in their head and two different cueing methods from two different people, you're just confusing them and yes. we might as well not intervened at all. You know, even yeah. if one person was more right than the other, it's like, yes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to solve the big problems out here. Yes. No, <laughs> it, that's true because you have different things. I actually found a good definition. Um, I, I found a good definition of course stability from a recent paper. I think I just referenced it um, regarding the my blog on the bench press mm. um, and how things can change. So I'm going to give it to you. So 
It has, core stability has been defined as the ability to control trunk position and motion for the purpose of optimal production, transfer, and control of forces to and from the terminal segments during functional activities. Yeah. If you break it down, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so that includes the ability of the neuromuscular system to keep the trunk in or return it to an upright position, static, and control trunk movement dynamics, dynamically, or trunk, uh, and control trunk movements in a dynamic sense. So it's a dynamic process that requires all this muscle capacity, strength, endurance, and power, and neuromuscular control at the same time for accurate joint and muscle receptors and neural pathways, basically so that everything can function optimally. And, and I kind of like, it's long wordy, it's, it's a lot of stuff, but I really liked it. It's from the Brazilian Journal of Physical Therapy by Silfies, Ivan Pontillo, and but- Butowitz, I think. <laughs> um, they were reviewing a lot of the um, research that's mm-hmm. out there on core stability and athletic performance or injury. So Yeah. So I could see this, com- I, I've, I'm in a, I'm sitting here at a fork with this conversation. Okay. So I'll just throw these three ideas out to you and you tell me. Okay. So I could, we could talk about what it is to measure something and then find a performance aspect that matches up to it. Right. Um, We could talk about things that I saw in your blog, which have to do with the pelvis. Oh, okay. (laughs) And the, other way we could go is uh, talk about some specific exercises or ways that you're instructing the the buyers in this situation, like oh. the trainers or the athletes. Because I think, I mean, I see, I could see this definitely. Trainers should be using this, but now that we're in this like pandemic era, like yeah. I really think every athlete should have one of their own. It helps because it, it, uh, it, it's, it's not that it, once you get the basics, it's not that hard to do. And if you're just given some exercises, I tell you what, we'll talk about number two, because that'll lead to number three. That's yeah. number, number one that, that you said about testing and re, and com- it's so hard to have a direct correlation to uh, an increase in X, Y, Z to a mm-hmm. transfer into athletic performance. It's, it's Absolutely. so hard. It's like, you know, that kind of helped. Like there's some things that you think, well, this is the only thing I changed. So it must be this. Like uh, we had someone doing a deadlift. The kid never broke 200 pounds on a deadlift. And we had him use the Kiro to engage his core between sets. And that day he stopped at 265. So he had mm. it because, you know, so we're thinking, well, people think I'm crazy if I say that. So I don't have any scientific correlation, but we feel mm-hmm. that that was, a uh, his, he was a weak, that was his limiting factor was that weak core that wasn't activated. Mm-hmm. But if we go into the pelvis, so what were you thinking about the pelvis? Cause I know I had a, I had two of them that talked about the pelvis and how it can uh, look like a tight hamstring mm-hmm. and a pelvic problem or a pelvic instability could manifest appearance wise as a tight hamstring and also the core on a bench um, as well. Yeah. Well, from my own interest and knowing the listeners on what they download, um, I did three episodes because like one wasn't enough about the ham, 
about hamstrings. Okay. And I didn't one see of, that. I would have I would have listened to that first because I didn't. Oh see my that. god! And they're they're a monologue, and one of them I'm like totally sick, and I'm just like getting it out. I had some people ping me back. They were like, "What's wrong with your sound?" I was like, "No, it's just like not supposed <laughs> to be talking." Um, and um, yeah, all three of them are monologues. So okay. I was I I really had something to get off my chest about the hamstrings, oh. and yeah. So one right. of them is um, shoot. Okay, so one of them is what re- what tight hamstrings really need, and the conclusion was they need a good assessment, and this goes into the pelvic conversation. Um, and and I kind of talked through other reasons why you sh- just shouldn't be stretching them alone because you actually could be irritating something, including something in your lower back, and if you're stretching and stretching and stretching, you should get a person to look at it that is qualified to help you. And, um, so it kind of went down that hole and (laughs) stayed on there for like 30 minutes. And then (laughs) my, my, that's all, that's all. If you could have gone on much longer than that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, that's why there's two other episodes. Okay, okay. Okay. So then, um, one of the other ones was, uh, how to strengthen your hamstrings like a pro. And, I kind of just, I I introduced the concept of a strength curve and why, you know, why you might want to work your hamstrings in different areas um, besides what's really cool and really hot, which are like eccentrics and deadlifts and Nordic hamstring curls. And so I kind of give a a hypothesis as to why you might want to focus on shortening and your foot planted on the ground, like that kind of stuff. And, um, I probably just confused a bunch of people with that. And then (laughs) go back and listen to the other one. Um, (laughs) and then the other one was, I already forgot, but, um, (laughs) maybe it was a combination of the two. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely going to go back and listen to these. I can't wait. wait. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, so in the terms of the pelvis, because I think this also makes an impact for bench press for performance. Um, because it's one of the things that a lot of um, people talk about pelvic asymmetry. I don't know what they talk about, but I, I call it pelvic positioning. Okay. Um, What is your starting posture? What is your starting position? And if the pelvis seems to be playing into that, you know, what are the factors? And so I, I look at it in, okay, we have three planes of motion. Is it rotated? Is it in the frontal plane? Are we talking about something in the sagittal plane, which would be through the pubic bone um, or the coccyx? And, you know, um, so for, so in that hamstring blog that you posted with the pelvic wonderful little diagrams in there. (laughs) I love that. I like the guy that was stretching his hamstrings and his face was kind of smiley. Um, those were great. My friend Seth Foreman, he sent me up. I love the guy's face. He was just, he's so happy that he sucks at his hamstring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I love those pictures. Um, and you can see, I can see how an Achilles uh, irritation could be directly related to this piece of the core, you know, or the pelvic positioning. So, 
But I mean, that matters for the bench press too, in my opinion. So I don't know wherever you want to pick up off of that or okay, correct so me. I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm not sure if you want me to just describe a little bit what I talked about. It was just one possibility. Mm. There's so many possibilities. I tell people it's like, like trying to connect the stars. It's, there's <laughs> so many possibilities and ways to do it that we can't. We can talk about that too. I really love astrology. So okay. <laughs> uh, you have to talk to Sheena. <laughs> Cause she's getting into this. She's learning that. Oh, but, good. Uh, yeah. So there's, so it's hard to say any absolutes. Like this is the only way this is, this is, this is law. This is anything. And I'm not the person qualified to say that anyways, but it was just one way that a, an appeared or what looks like a hamstring tightness based on a stretch or a running mechanic where they don't get their knees up high enough can actually come from a pelvis that was unstable, that was not able to handle the weight of the leg and therefore dropped. So the pelvis dropped to the leg like the femur, as opposed to the femur coming to the pelvis, which is the normal, how we assess everything. So like if you're doing, if you're laying down face up, you bring your leg up straight up as far as it can go. And if it doesn't go very far, you say you have a tight hamstring uh, because you felt it, you know, you felt it in the tightness. And so you assume that that's the reason why you could not go any further into that straight leg raise was your hamstrings are tight. So we talk about how it could be the pelvis wasn't able to hold that position. And once you lifted up your leg, the weight of the pelvis dropped. It couldn't hold the weight, so it dropped. You maxed out in your actual femur moving in the pelvis, in the acetabulum. Like you got as far as you could go, but because the core broke and the pelvis broke, it didn't get as high as you wanted to. And if, if people want to try it out, there's one way that uh, you could use to maybe try to look at this is if you do a straight leg raise, left side, right side, and you compare and you, it doesn't seem like they're going very far and you might see them bobble a little bit on the table, like their pelvis rotate or drop or something. If you actually hold the pelvis in place and don't allow it to either rotate or move or drop and their hamstring flexibility increases or the range of motion of that motion increases. It's a good indicator that maybe it was a pelvic problem and not a hamstring preventing the motion problem. Uh, We didn't go into that aspect. Like we're going to down the road, I'll be writing a blog about little bitty assessments that you can do to maybe be indicators. Um, But we, you know, I want to validate a couple more uh, just to make sure that it's more consistent and stuff before we put that out there. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, and in order for someone to feel or see a motion that's basically disconnected and the timing's off, is that what we're kind of, yeah. Is that what we're kind of getting to? Well, that, that, well, I'm not sure if I'm understanding your question there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because you can't see what's happening without x-ray vision. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to really say what's happening. Uh, if you're talking like sequential, I don't know if you're talking like muscle recruitment patterns or something like that. Um, it's hard to see. And it's just indicators of potential problem. 
because uh, it's really hard to assess actual core strength and actual core function. Like to get a, a hard number, mm-hmm. you need X amount of this or this many pounds of pressure there. It's really hard to do that. So I'm not sure if I'm understanding your question. No, it's a little bit of a let's poke a hole uh, kind, of, kind of question. Um, oh, I don't mind poke a hole. Yeah. And so what I'm... Um, so I guess why does someone who's interested in, uh, the, um, the Kiro need to know about what's going on at their pelvis? To do, do you need, is it, is it a tool that will benefit you? So mm-hmm. if you just throw it on there, you're going to improve something, you know, it's a, it's a different, uh, stimulus. You'll probably improve something somewhere, but to use it strategically, to save you time. Like if you know there's a core problem, if you know there's a flexion or if you know there's a rotation problem, if you know there's an extension problem, then you can actually, the Kiro is designed to where you can target those much more specifically. Um, I know with the MAT people, they, they might say like, okay, your extensors that rotate to the left and side bend are the ones we need to target more. Um, I've heard, I have people say this to me. I'm like, okay, so you could actually apply a force that targets your extensors that rotate and laterally flex. And it's very, it's very literal what you're saying. It's not abstract at all because once you put the gear on, you can customize where the resistance is. Yep. Yeah. It's a very literal thing we just said that she just said. So I just wanted to make that clear. Yep. And then, and, and then because there's three levels of resistance, uh, I call it, you know, depends on what you want to recruit. Um, you can improve, in, increase the resistance, the torque on that by just moving up a level or two mm-hmm. um, to a point so that you don't even have to change the load of the weight. You just change the level. So the torque is changed mm-hmm. uh, so that, and then you progress then however you feel fit in your practice to do that, however you want to load it. And then torque. So that word comes up on this podcast often and it's because, you know, what do, what is an exercise, right? It, it's your muscles, um, creating torque to overcome whatever is pushing you down away or, um, the, the force that you have to overcome. And that's what is so dynamic about this is that you can say, I, I have trouble in this position. Now I would like to change that. Yeah. Or (laughs) train it and overload it and, Mm -hmm. uh, and adapt that position. Yes. And it could just be endurance. Like how long do you want to hold that and improve that? Or do you want to load it with strength? Um, or do you want to just stimulate in an activation type of way with a very, very low grade stimulation of that? Mm-hmm. that you um, so what I, fa- what I found is it can be really precise and specific. It can also be a little bit more general if you like, depends on the progression and where you are in the continuum of where that person is. So it could be um, let's just say like I found a lot with my athletes, uh, 
the rotational component of the core was where they were having some problems and it could be an internal oblique or external oblique or what, whatever it could be. So I can actually apply forces now to target more internal or external obliques. Either do I need to train them as a ro rotator? Do I need to train them as a lateral flexor? Do I want to train them as a flexor? And in certain instances, a uh, potential extensor. So I could set it up to wherever I feel that they need the most training, I can do that. Or we might even do, say, a multi-planar exercise to where, let's say that they're having trouble with rotational exercises, but is either there's pain there or they are told by their surgeon or their, whoever that they're not allowed to do rotation yet but they're in a position where they need to train those muscles that do help them rotate. Well, there's other things you could do. You could add a rotational isometric force to engage them in a rotation without moving the joint, which might be contraindicated at this moment, but then you can flex or extend to where the muscles that you're trying to target do shorten because that's about, you're always wanting to shorten those muscles into the plane to, to train the entire muscle. Uh, either isometric is one way, but concentric or eccentric. So now you have a way to um, apply a multi-directional force where isometric in one, concentric, eccentric in another plane to where you're staying within the limits that you were, were giving, either by the doctor, the person, uh, the form, whatever it is you're doing. So now, but you're still training that, that motion and that, those, those muscles in a way throughout their entire range without compromising or going against orders or whatever you need to do at the moment, um, which I find is interesting. Um, I know also in regards to using exercises, uh, especially MAT or thought process of, do you want to train the entire range? Do you want to unload it at the beginning? Do you want to unload it at the end? Do you want to train the entire range from start to finish? And that's one way that this is really easy to do is you can set up as many resistances as you want to where as you rotate, you can get it trained at the beginning, middle, or the end and keep the, as long as you have a setup that allows you to do that. If you want to apply multiple forces at once to train the entire range from start to finish, mm. you can do that. Uh, it, it just, you just need to be creative in your space and have the, another, however many bands you want mm -hmm. or <laughs> that you can apply. Well, that's, so, that's one of the ways I use it. The, what you just said creating a very customized progression. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really obvious that we haven't said is oh. the hands. You don't have... Oh, I forget. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remembered myself. I'm like, I, I think that is from a person who works mostly with athletes that are, I'll tell you the three types of athletes I work with most. Soccer players hockey players and uh ice skaters so like for okay. ice performance okay you guess what it is so so uh applicable to so functional to what they're doing yes. nothing that i mean trying to convince an ice skater that she needs to squat to strengthen her core really doesn't work it's uh, not right. Okay. Um, like, but 
you know, can I, um, and you know what, honestly, that sport is so confusing and defies gravity that it's a really hard one to talk about. So I'm going to move on, but (laughs) they're crazy athletes. (laughs) Um, but the hockey players and the soccer players, uh, their head has to be on this swivel, right? Their arms and their kinesthetic awareness is such a part of their strengths, you know? Yes. And so if we try to do something in the gym where you're like, hold this weight, move this ball back and forth, bang it on your head, bang it on the floor, whatever, you know? And I would never tell somebody hit themselves in their head, but I was just kind of poking fun at, (laughs) endless medicine ball throws. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just found that to be one of the, the, the coolest things about it. That's right. So that's one of the things as I was seeing is that people tend to use their arms or their hips to do their core work. Mm -hmm. And a great example is unless that's their goal, if that's their goal to integrate everything from top to bottom, fine. But if your goal is to be more specific, um, an example I can see is the wood chop. You could do a wood chop by rotating at the hips and then rotating at the shoulder girdle and you've gone your whole range. The core will act as an anchor point, but it's different than if you're just rotating the core and train and, uh, and applying resistance just to the core without the arms the, or, or even if you have an injury to the shoulders and you can't hold a peel off press or you can't go into a plank position, you can, all that stuff you can do with the Kuro harness in order to keep training the core. Um, you can take the legs out somewhat, you, mm-hmm. you know, you can take the arms out, uh, people that have, uh, let's say I, I've had one guy who was, um, challenged he had one arm so that everything he was doing was was unilateral so he could go on a rowing machine and row he loved to row but unfortunately it was one-sided and he could attach the kiro to his to the actual the rower you can attach it in the center point or one-sided and then he would uh, be training everything a little bit more bilaterally as opposed to just one-sided and to overdevelop on one side so I love the fact that that one of the reasons was because everybody was using everything else to do their core work except for the core. It was mm-hmm. just a, it was just an anchor point. It was just an isometric, um, just like uh, so many exercises out there use tons of hip flexion to do whatever activity they're doing. And when I see guys that have constant groin problems or hip flexor issues from they run so much, they're so explosive and powerful. And then they, I watch them do their, especially their at home, you know, what their buddies told them to do back in the day exercises where they're doing tons of hip flexor work. And it's just like, you got to unload it. You, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, here's a way to unload those, those other muscles that maybe you're doing too much and bring the core up to par. Um, to maybe to handle, to do more for it. And then you can train the hip flexors, you know, then, then you can get into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is one of my peeves is seeing so many core exercises that focus on so many other muscles, unless that was your intent. Yeah. Well, I feel like that, what you just said may have been one of the foundations for what we're talking about. 
when Sorry, it took us like yeah. 45 minutes to get there. <laughs> cool. That's how this works. When it comes down to it, I am so excited about um, training that is aligned to our uniqueness. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm so attracted to it. I always have been as a trainer. I think movement that um, I think movement in general is a beautiful thing, you know, from a very evolutionary point of view to how seeing or like the example of coming down there for the Bomberito, uh, his, the, the draft training, when you get to participate and see movement at the highest level, it's such an intellectual turn on, right? It's so exciting. And so when I start with these conversations about something that I'm like, oh, this is great. Did you, or let's poke holes in this, you know, this big concept. And then we end up at the end at this very simple, like, oh yeah, I guess ab exercises are all about hip flexion in the standard hive brain, you know, pick up the magazine mentality. Long story short, I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the thing is is that you know what all those those exercises are are effective in a lot of ways and they might help you build those six-pack abs because the core is trying so hard to stabilize in that motion when you lift your legs up or whatever. They do it does develop them if that's your goal. Mm-hmm. Um but overall stability and function and being a able to do so many different things, you might need a little bit more than just that six pack. Yeah. I'd be breaking down somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I feel like we got a lot of good stuff in. Did we miss anything? I'm trying to think cause I'm, you know, I, I get worked up and I get focused on one thing. Um, I get, I understand. I get really excited about I, I think that, <laughs> all the uh, stuff. The, 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 the whole purpose of the Kira was help you isolate something mm-hmm. to whatever depth that you want that's possible. It's then possible to isolate anything real, real specifically. And then it helps you be able to integrate that motion. or So it takes you the next step. And it helps you so that you don't compensate by using other muscles if your goal was to really target these particular group of muscles that can be considered into the core and it enables you to do it. Like this is like my kind of like, well, how I say it, it enables you to target the core 360 degrees around the body from seated to sprinting. So whatever you are on the continuum, whatever your goal is, I try not to tell people this is the only way to use it because everybody comes from different backgrounds. So this is what it can do. Now you apply it to your thought process and your particular client as to what they might need. But we've hopefully I, I developed a tool and created a tool that that gives you so many more options that were either not out there, you didn't know about, or were hard to implement. And I've hopefully I solved that problem. But right. It, right. you know, being able to find it, work on it and you know train and overcome it is a never ending you know exploration but 
that's why, again, like that's why this is beautiful. You can customize it. Oh, I love it. Okay. So please tell everyone where to purchase one. um, And I don't know anything exciting going on. Okay. So um, the the website is Kiro Concepts, uh, W-W-K-I-R-O Concepts, C-O-N-C-E-P-T-S.com. And uh, I'm excited because I've been actually blogging with all this coronavirus stuff. I've had time to actually do some content and I've gotten really excited about some ideas. I hate that, um, not hate, but it's a shame that I'm trying to keep it simple, but yet not not too simple because I have a dynamic uh, audience that I have different levels of whatever, of education but we can't go over everything. But now I'm realizing like, because of, we can't go everything. I'm going to have a lot of, con- I'm going to have a lot of ideas. And so I won't run out of ideas, hopefully anytime soon for mm-hmm. that. So I'm excited about the blog, trying to get that out there. That's on the website as well. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. I, that That's where we're at right now. And we're just trying to get the word out there. Now I'm ready to, to get the word out there that, We've, we've put a lot of time into the research and development. We've had a lot of people come back to us about how they like it, how effective it is, how they've improved XYZ performance or stability. And so now we're, I'm really confident that I have a tool that can help people, mm-hmm. help trainers, help people, uh, help in the rehab setting. So um, now I'm happy and I'm, I'm ready. I feel like I, I have something to give. Good. Well, um, I think, yeah, I think, I think my little pirate radio station here is gonna, gonna love this. I do. I think it's, yeah, because, you know, I, I, I'm trying to attract a listener and a subscriber and maybe you'll even leave a review, (laughs) um, that, um, wants to leave the institutionalized thinking of what fitness is, you know? that we have to beat ourselves up, that they, our abs always have to hurt when we, you know, when we do our crunches and our planks. And, you know, that, that exercise is more finesse and intent than it is, a, you know, a psychological experiment of how much pain you can take. Right. And right. so I think I like, really like that this is something people can use like and it is a solution to the diluted crap that's out there <laughs> boom <Yeah. laughs> right. so I, I use a term that i use to describe my ideal uh client my mm-hmm. ideal user which i think applies to you as well is an exercise intellectual mm-hmm. to where you have a higher level of understanding a little bit higher level of thinking um, you understand the body and you understand mechanics and it's our vehicle. We, we shouldn't have to beat it up to make it go better. There's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of ways to do it. So work smarter, not harder kind of thing. Mm, retweet. That's good. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's a perfect place to, uh, say goodbye. It was so nice to see you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking to you and I look forward to, I'll, I'll let you know if I'm back up there this year, uh, yeah. so we can have lunch again. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's hope we're all traveling soon yes. and safely. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> safely. Home.